Greetings, Princeps, and welcome to the 20th episode of the God Machine Cast, a weekly podcast dedicated to discussing the Adeptus Titanicus Wargame produced by Games Workshop. In this show, I am going to spend most of my time talking about the idea of a support titan. It's an idea I've rolled around in previous shows, and I think this time I'm going to really take some time to expand upon it. What do I mean by a support titan? How would you use one in the game? And, uh, yeah, a few other things. So anyway, let's get on with the show. Okay, some podcast news. First up, please, as always, try and like and review my show in all uh, notable places, whether on your podcast app of choice or on Facebook or wherever. I recommend this podcast to your friends and generally talk up this podcast. Also, send me feedback. Do you have a reason you don't like the show? Is there something I've said that has annoyed you? Please let me know. I will address it at an appropriate time. Um, yeah. I have a Facebook page, a Twitter, and an email address. The email is god.engine.cast at gmail.com. My Facebook page is the God Engine Cast, and my Twitter account is at CastEngine. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook to see my latest updates from the podcast and photos from my mobile collection. Okay, that's all the usual boys I'll play out of the way. I do have one additional thing to talk about. At this point, I am looking at putting the show on a hiatus in a few weeks. I haven't decided exactly when. I want to do another Legio review, and I want to finish out my conversations on campaigns by reviewing the Shadow Nine campaign system. And even though after that I've got another 12 episodes all lined up that I can do, and probably more down the pipe, I have a few other things that are going to start eating my time. Primarily, writing event packets for some events I'm planning on running in late summer. So I'm thinking of taking a few weeks off the podcast to allow me to knock out the event packets, get them in a position where I can start getting them out in the wild and test it, and then I can come back to start recording the show again, potentially taking another short break at the point of actual the events themselves. Though I think those breaks will be short 10-minute episode weeks where I stop and talk about how the event's been um, before doing an actual full review the week after. So as such, I think we can uh, see that I'll probably get to episode 22, and then I'm going to take a break, and when I return, I'll return with what I will refer to as season 2 of the God Machine cast. I'll have been doing this for about 6 months at that point, so a few weeks off will be nice, and uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks break I can start preparing the next couple of shows to mean I'm not quite running around as headlessly as I am every week trying to get the show together. But one of the big things I want to do with Season 2 of the God Machine cast is start including interviews with other folk. So if you have a topic you wish to come on this podcast and discuss with me, contact me. Uh, We'll talk about it and we'll see if we can set up a time to include the conversation. Um, By taking a couple of weeks break, I'm going to have time to do those interviews a few weeks out and then be able to drop them when needed. Um, this should help everyone and make a better quality show. So yeah, that's exciting. But don't worry, like I say, I've got two weeks left, definitely, maybe even three. I plan on doing the campaigns of the Shadow and Iron supplement. I'm probably going to talk about the Legio uh, Pregiscus next, and then I may creep in an episode about events or narrative play, or even the Legio Astorum. I haven't quite decided. Um, some combination of that will happen. Okay, uh, so I'm going to touch on my own hobby news for a short bit. Uh, this week's been a pretty productive week. Um, 
did a little bit more work on the Warbringer. Nothing huge amounts. She's still sitting there starting the weathering and transfer process. But the big thing I did was I applied weathering powders to the entirety of my fully painted collection and then was able to get them sealed this week. Uh, they all sealed without any problems and they look pretty cool. I changed the nature of my base by putting quite a lot of uh, iron oxide down on it so it really gives us a nice Martian feel. And I've started painting some scenery. Um, with the events coming up I've got a lot of scenery to paint and I've started, you know, scratching my head about how much scenery I'm going to need to make. Um, yeah, which is probably going to eat a lot of my summer. Oh well. So community news, uh, this is all going to be about me. Uh, first of all, uh, it looks like I am cleared to do something at the Iron Halo. Hopefully here in a week or two I'll have the exact details and I'll be able to put that out there for everyone if they wish to travel to Oklahoma to play in my event. The Iron Halo can be found on Facebook and is played on the weekend of the 25th of September. It's going to be a three-day event, but I don't know how many days of Titanicus will be included. I am also looking at doing another event here in Oklahoma, details of which are being discussed on the Oklahoma Titanicus Facebook page. If you are in the area and not on that Facebook page, contact me and I'll get you on it and you can see the discussions for that event. That second event is a lot smaller and basically is going to allow me to dry run my campaign packs for the Iron Halo. If Titanicus events are starting up in your area, please let me know and I'll advertise them. Uh, I know a lot of folk are still sort of planning a couple of months out and are paying close attention to the news to see if these events can actually happen. Uh, I would not be surprised if either of these events I'm planning happen due to uh, current events, but I'd rather be prepared and planned than, you know, trying to do it all by the seat of my pants. Okay, let's move to the main section of the show. The show today is going to talk about support titans. Those titans that are brought in to reinforce a battle group that are not of the primary legio of that battle group. You're not going to find any publication that talks about a support titan in an official manner. This is a shorthand that I've developed uh, to differentiate it from the standard reinforcement titan of the same legio to the primary maniple. So let's talk about the rules for it. In a bit I will go into the narratives and then I'm going to talk about some examples. The legios I think are best suited to be used in a support style. So the basics of taking a support titan shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. When assembling a battle group you pick one maniple, and then you can reinforce that maniple with additional maniples, individual titans, or even household support units, which are knights. Any additional maniple, or even individual titan, can be declared to be from a different titan legion from that first maniple you picked. For each titan legio you pick, the, your opponent will gain two strategy points. Now, I generally experience the fact that in most confrontation games, I'm taking a single maniple, and then some support units, generally knights. But I started wondering, what would the advantages be for taking a single reinforcement titan from a different titan legion? Basically, what could I get that would be worth giving my opponent a free artillery strike? And the answer is, a fair bit. There are a number of legio traits that work really well on a single titan, and that perhaps running an entire maniple or battle group of that particular legion wouldn't give you much more than if you'd had one titan kitted out. So, that's it. That's what a support titan is. A support titan is a titan from another legio that brings you some rules that are useful and probably better than the artillery strike you're giving your opponent. So, that's the rules of it. It's real simple. Just take another titan. Um, and quite often, you can fill a hole that your primary maniple may not be able to fulfill. For example, you could be running a Corsair maniple and go, you're really nice to have a, a backup warlord. 
there you go. Here's a Warlord. Here's a Warlord from a Legio that really does Warlords a lot better than your, your own Legio. Well done. Later in the episode, I'm going to dip deeper into, like, mechanical advantages you can gain through support titans. But first, I'm going to talk about the stories of it, as after all, that's probably the more important piece of this. I think support titans are a great way to add a bit of personality and personal narrative to your battle group. Sure, you've got your primary legion, and the majority of collection is going to be painted that way. But in any war, in any military deployment, casualties happen, and survivors get moved off to work with other units. And in the Horus Heresy, there was always, you know, those two or three people surviving a battle and being pushed back to the front with the next wave. This is as true with the Titans as it was for any level of the war. So it's pretty easy to see that, you know, a single Titan could be joining another maniple because the rest of their battle group has been destroyed. Or worse, they could be the lone loyal Titan left from a group that turned traitor. Uh, for some reason, they, they survived and were able to get away. And passing the initial test, the College Titanicers turned them around and put, put them with a battle group of people they knew were loyal to keep an eye, with, eye on them and get them back into the fray. And you can roll this out even further. I mean, you could have an entire mana pool different from your primary mana pool, and then throw in a support titan. You're running, you know, three different legions, and the whole flavor of the battle group is a bunch of survivors trying to march across the uh, wastelands of the Imperium. I mean, giving up quite a lot of strategy points, but you could probably craft a pretty awesome story. Um, and I think that's, you know, internal conflict within a force is a great way to get story. Um, I know I'm rolling around the idea of having a Firemaster's uh, Warhound join my uh, Legio Incarnum, and, you know, they look at him with distrust because he claims to be a loyalist, but most of his Legion are working for Horus. But they're keeping him around because it's kind of useful to have that crew around. The additional support is needed. And he's improved himself countless times, but perhaps this time he won't. Um, and it's, you know, kind of fun to play around with. Um, yeah. Well, that's it. That's the entirety of my thoughts on support titans as a collective lump. There's something you add to a force. It's pretty cool. But there's so much depth that's possible with support titans. There are more than just those couple of lines. And I wanted to explore a couple of examples. So I sat down and generated seven support titans I would put in different maniples. So I'm going to talk through, you know, the very basics. What that titan is narratively. Uh, what rules it uses, why particularly I think this is a good example of a support titan, and what it would do in a larger battle group. Why seven, you may ask? Well, it's because these seven legios that these titans are based on are the seven legios that work best for support titans. All the other legios can be used as support titans, but you will not be getting the best benefit. They generally have a rule that requires them to be in a mana pool, or some other benefit that affects all titans of a class, and you don't really get that much out of it by only having the one on the table. So with that, let's get into it. Okay, before I go really deep into the rules and thoughts about this, I just want to bring up one really important thing about support titans. The reason you may want to include one in your collection is you want to paint a titan different from the rest of your force. Painting a large battle group or a large collection can be a bit boring. You're running the same paint scheme again and again. And you're listening to a podcast like mine and you hear the person droning on about this awesome legion. And you like them and you want to paint one of their titans. But you can't bring yourself to paint, you know, an entire battle group of that cool, awesome titan legion the guys just described. So, you know, 
you just paint the one and you can include it as a support item um, and I think there's a lot of mileage in that uh, collecting putting units down that you collect and you like playing is a really valid reason to do something so don't get all fret up about the fact that I'm looking at the most rules efficient way to take a support Titan I think I want to talk about it because I think people need to be aware that these are the best combinations but do what makes sense for your collection narratively and artistically paint the Titans you want to paint they all work together to a certain level Titanicus is not a game about min-maxing, it is a game about telling great stories. And throwing a support titan in it allows us to do that, and allows us to take a break and paint something different, which is, I know, is something I'm craving. Okay, there is one elephant in the room when I start discussing support titans and bringing in additional rules into a battle group. Many of the rules within Legion Write-Up are unclear about what titans are affected by Legion-only stratagems. For example, War March by the Legion Mortis states that uh, the stratagem can be purchased by any Legion Mortis player, and when played, the Legion Mortis player immediately moves all of their Titans as if it was the movement phase. There's nothing saying you move all of your Mortis Titans, there's nothing saying you can't move non-Mortis Titans. This is further confused by other traits, like the Legion specific stratagem Offensive Surge for the Legion Furians, stating things like this strategy may be purchased by any Legio Furian player, and when this card is used, all Legio Furian Titans may attack a second round. I suspect this is just an oversight, and the intent is that you could only use a Legio Pacific stratagem on those specific Titans. But that isn't clear in the rule set, and I think an argument could be made that it's the other way around. I'm not a huge fan of that argument, and from the folks I've talked to in a variety of communities over this last week, no one else is really. I think the general community feeling is that a Legio Pacific stratagem only affects Titans of that Pacific Legio. I am emailing Games Workshop about it, but it is key in my decision about which Titan Legions I'm talking about this episode. I am not going to talk about a Titan Legion that the reason you may want to take into your uh, battle group is to unlock a stratagem which all your Titans can use. Though the rules may be read that you can do it that way, it is not the intent of the rule system, and it's a rules abuse that I will not be letting at events I run. So I'm not going to talk about it, much like I don't talk about Scatterable Minds. Now I will add, just very briefly, that I'm going to touch on several Legios that I haven't done a coverage episode for. I am going to skim over all the rules for all these Legios, but this is not going to be as in-depth as I do in a full coverage episode. I'm not going to name the rule and discuss individual rules. I'm just going to state that they get to do this and that and then move on. In the future, I will come back and do a deep dive into all of these Legios where I'll talk about their lore and, you know, how I'd use a full maniple of them, even if I do think they work best as individual titans in other battle groups. First up on my example list are the Firemasters, Legio Infernus. This Legio is really a one-trick pony, so it really makes sense for them to be, you know, a single titan in someone's battle group. Narrative-wise, it makes sense as well. They were predominantly traitor, but they did have some titans to stay loyal. And one would imagine, if I was commander of a large area, and I had a number of titans that belonged to a predominantly traitor Legio, I probably wouldn't put them all in the same battle group. I would split them up into individuals and have them support 
good, solid, loyal Titans. That way the, you know, the ones you really trust can keep an eye on their perhaps less than loyal brethren. I certainly wouldn't, you know, tell them not to fight. We need every last engine we can on the battlefield. So let's do what we can to minimize the risk. To be honest, the same is true for many of the Titan Legions I'm going to talk about today. But I think it's especially true for the Firemasters. I mean, I don't think it takes much brain power for a commander to be like, yeah, let's put all these uh, traitorous pyromaniacs in different places, and maybe we won't, won't burn everything to the ground. And I suppose that same logic is true for the traitor side. They got really weird when they went traitor. I mean, they fell deep under the uh, uh, command structure of the Dark Mechanicum. Much like the World Bearers, I could see an individual Firemaster Titan showing up with another battle group. You know, as an emissary. Hi, we're here on behalf of the Dark Mechanicum. Have you heard about the gifts that they got Dark Mechanicum today? Let me show you what our Phosphorex can do. Or just simply accompanying a battle group to conduct some weird ritual during the battle. Burn down that building, kill those civilians there. You know, friendly stuff. So, I particularly plan to build a Firemaster Titan for my battle group. My battle group is a bunch of... These are Incarnum Titans that were stranded at the outbreak of the Heresy, and they're fighting their way back to meet up with the Imperium. As such, many of the Titans carry battle damage, mix, missed match plates, and ge generally show a sort of worn, weary uh, appearance. The Firemaster Titan is a loyalist who they kind of trust. At the outbreak of the Heresy, they were deployed with some Firemasters, and they turned on each other. And Legio Incarnum were able to take out all the Firemaster Titans that attacked them. Notably, there was one Titan that didn't. It did nothing. It stood there during the battle and froze as its crews had its own internal fight. And at the end of the battle, the Princess lay dead and one of the Moderati took command of the Titan. Um, they weren't destroyed by Legio Incarnum and they were brought into the battle group. They'd been kept at arm's length, but they'd been given enough support to keep going. After all, they need every last Titan they can. And this lone titan has helped them out numerous times, and has slowly gathered a grudging respect within the group. It comes out when they're going into deep urban env environments, when its dual flame cannons really come into place. The rest of my battle group is still a little wary of it, but it has its place and he's proven himself now, so yeah, there's that. So mechanically, what makes Legion Infernus so good a support titan? Well, basically, they get a lot of advantages when using the Firestorm Cannon on the Warhound. Initially, when you place a Flame Template on the ground, you don't have to put the tip of the template touching the gun. You can put it anywhere within two inches, and providing it's within firing arcs, you can play with the angles. I mean, it's still got to be predominantly moving away from the Titan, but you get a lot more leeway, allowing you to really line up the hits a lot better. Additionally, for 20 points, a Warhound can take uh, Phosphorex. What Phosphorex does, it will double the amount of hits that you do for any hit past the first. So you target a bunch of knights, and you're going to do three hits that first knight you hit, and then two additional hits for every additional knight you hit, which is really good. As you get to do it per Inferno Gun on the Titan, it's just a standard upgrade. That means you're going to get a lot of hits on a unit of knights. And quite a lot of hits on a group of Warhounds as well. It's just really good for clearing out those sort of blobs. The problem is, and something I will touch when I do the full review of Legion Furnace, you can't just run an army of that. It 
really has one purpose, and maybe one or two Titans, but after that you aren't getting any benefit from their solo Legio trait or their war gear option. In addition to that cool weapon upgrade, you do get one Legion Pacific Stratagem that you'll get to use by bringing Tonus to support Titan. It's called the Burned Wand, and for one point basically means any piece of terrain within your 12 inches of that friendly Infernus Titan is just destroyed and replaced by an area of difficult terrain. Regardless whether you're using destroyable terrain rules or not, just boom and it's gone. Um, I really like it. Especially as a stratagem can be purchased multiple times. I mean, you start playing a game in a really dense city, and you take your Legion Infernus Titan, and you just run it forward, and then just start blowing up buildings, allowing you to open the fire lanes up for the rest of your battle group. Urban clearance come cheap. Really good fun. I plan on running this Warhound with a group of Corsair Reavers. Um, the Reavers have quite a lot of movability in the Corsair Maniple, and an ability for me to just to open you fire lanes at will uh, will really annoy my opponent. I can quickly move my Titans into places, and it's just going to be a wonderful world of second-guessing. But I think it works with anyone running a high firepower list. You're running a list, um, uh, any Maniple that like sitting on your back line and just shooting downwards. A Legion Infernus Warhound will help you out. It'll also help you out with the night problem that these big stompy titans often have. It will get there and clear them out, which is useful. Well, the next Legion I want to talk about is the Legio Vulper. I have a feeling that a Reaver Titan from the Legio Vulper is almost ideal to fit into nearly any Titan battle group. A very similar story talks through the Deathstalkers as it does through the Firemasters. They predominantly were a traitor legion, but some stayed loyal. And you could imagine, in a very similar way to any loyal Firemasters, Imperial commanders probably wouldn't want to keep them together. They would split them up and use them as individual units, where they felt they could do the least amount of damage. Whereas, on the side of the traitors, as we know from the Titan Death book, the Dark Mechanicum really got its claws deep into this Titan Legion, forcing them eventually to become some of the first corrupted Titans. And I think, you know, that sort of story you can run with if you're running a traitor battle group. Here is a Titan that's been sort of assigned to your maniple to, you know, be the plaything of the Dark Mechanicum. Um, they're off doing some weird experiments, and, you know, you're just going to let it do its own thing. Well, how would you use a support Titan Legio Vulper? Well, the Legio Vulper's strength is close combat. They have a number of bonuses, both traits and war gear, that really make their smash attacks and melee traits that much better. With the right build, you're basically looking at having plus two strength on any weapon that's always going to be hitting on a weapon skill of plus one. As such to me, the best Titan I would run for the Legio Vulper, as I mentioned, would be a Reaver Titan. In any battle group where I am really focusing on long-range firepower and bigger Titans, I would think about what could I do to engage an enemy in close combat to round out my battle group. And dropping in a support Titan of Elytra Vulper may be what I need to do. In such a case, I would look at running a standard Reaver with a Power Fist and a Chain Fist, and then probably some cheap Carpace weapon, Mega Bolter, or, I don't know, maybe an Apocalypse Missile Launcher, but you probably want something to work at close range, so lean towards the Bolter. 
During the game, it barrels towards the enemy, attracting firepower. If they let it get too close, it is going to start ripping titans apart. All the while, your main battle group is, you know, doing what your battle group does. Imagine this working very well with a Godbreaker's Myrmidon mana pool made for the three Warlords. you got three Warlords, they're going to be sitting on the back, laying down some heavy firepower. And this Deathstalker's crazed Berserker Reaver is running up the table. Similarly, a Fortis mana pool, or any other mana pool that forces you to really stay still to form a fortress, this sort of individual titan will add something to your list. There's not really much more to say about this. I mean, it's a fairly simple idea. Um, Legio Vulpa are the best close combat titans there are in the game at the moment. And if you want one, and you've got the points for it, splash one in. So, the next legion I think we need to look at is Legio Astorum Warp Runners. These guys are mostly loyalist, and um, I think it would work well to drop into any loyalist list. Yet, as I continually say, as the rulebook continually says, there were traitors in every Legio. So, you could imagine, a few of these warp runners turning to the powers of the warp. Now, I'm not going to go too much into the fluff of these ideas. I'm going to be covering the warp runners real soon on the podcast. But in shorthand, they are known for their hubris, their arrogance, their aloofness, but at the same time backing it all up with a veterancy of their titans. This in many ways is why one would join a battle group. You could see a warp runners detachment that's been split up in battle, and rather than wait to be reunited with their mana pools, they are turning around finding the next group to join to lead into the next fight. They're going to prove to everyone that they are superior, even if it means fighting by themselves. Other possibilities are that they've been assigned to the individual battle group to help train a greener set of crews. Now, looking to the rules. The Legio of Storm really work really well when put in command of a Warlord. The Warlords of Legio of Storm move faster, they have better repair rolls, and have a few stratagems to make the Warlord even harder to take out. Although their Legion traits benefit all levels of Titans, they really go for their own when put in charge of a Warlord. So, if you're putting together a battle group that doesn't have a Warlord in it, it's probably not out of the question to think about sticking one on the side. A sort of support Warlord of the Legio Astorum is a master of firepower and of resilience. If you are running any of the light maniples, or a force particularly light in maniples, it's, you know, a nice balancing act to play. Due to the cost of a Warlord, it's not something you can splash in as easily as just a single Warhound or Reaver, but I think there's something there. If I was running a Legio Solaria um, Corsair maniple, all filled with Warhounds, perhaps you could splash in a Legio Astorum uh, Titan to be sort of there to lend some fire support, which would be a pretty cool thing to do. Another good source of support titans is the Legio Solaria, the Imperial Hunters. This Legio specializes in Warhounds, and similar to the Firemasters, it's pretty easy to drop a Warhound into a list. And I really think the abilities of the Legio Solaria are worth those two stratagem points. Now, their actual Legio trait will be of no use to you. The fact you can switch out uh, units in a maniple. Uh, doesn't matter. But they get access to a stratagem and a number of pieces of war gear that really can make a unique looking warhound. 
Their stratagem allows you to redeploy their Warhounds after deployment's finished, which is really useful. And the two pieces of war gear allow you to keep a um, Warhound in action longer by removing critical damage off legs and by giving them a method, method of camouflage, increasing the hardness to hit these Titans. What I would do with a support Legio Solaria Warhound is a Warhound armed with dual turbo lasers. Give it the Chameleon Shrouding and perhaps the Fortis Motivators, but that's not as important. Basically what you end up with is a Warhound that would exemplify the sniping style that some Warhounds can slip into. It's a quick moving Titan that can get around the back of the opponent and start really hurting them with some pretty well placed laser shots. Now the thing is, is there are quite a lot of battle groups that are slow moving and as I was saying with the Firemasters, it's useful to be able to throw that unit in that's going to move quickly and perhaps be a bit more survivable than Knights. And that's where the Legio Solaria really come to their own. With the Chameleon Shrouding, you make that Titan even harder to destroy. So you can run something at the table in a flanking move that has no relation to the rest of your battle force. And it's going to be a bit of a pain to shift, a lot other than taking out a banner of knights. So to be honest, not a huge amount more points. With the dual turbo lasers, its threat range is a lot longer. So you're going to be able to keep it, you know, out of the way and just be a real nuisance unit. Now, in a Legio Solaria battle force, I'd probably be running one of these titans anyway. It's a pretty nifty idea. But I think any battle group can benefit from having it. Also, it's a pretty easy slot to go into any Imperial force. It's easy to imagine that this is a Legio Solaria scout that has been assigned to your battle group to help them find the opponent, and it's sticking around to see the game through. A specialist scout from a specialist scouting legion uh, fits just so well into an Imperial force. Now, you can make an argument to say that there are traitor Imperial hunters, as I've said several times in this episode, and I think that would work as well, but I don't know. There are other options for traitors, but with the right story, I think it would work. It could work really well. Um, yeah. I like the Legio Solaria a lot, and I'm going to return to them to cover them as a full Titan review. But they are, to me, one of the better support Titans, even if their individual trait doesn't, you know, help that much. Those war gear options give you some benefits to a scouting Warhound that you just don't get any other way. And I definitely think that's worth some thought. The last Loyalist Legion I want to talk about is Legio Crucius. They are perhaps the biggest Titan Legion in the fluff. And the Warmongers had been preparing for Civil War before the start of the Horus Heresy. So they were ready with tactics to actually fight Titans in a full-on Total War style. So as such, it's pretty easy to imagine that, you know, they would be accompanying other battle groups to show them the ropes, so to speak. And as there were elements that went traitor, uh, it could very well occur on both sides of the dividing line of the Civil War. And this is the first Legion where I'm like, I'm not sure what type of support Titan I would throw in. The Warmongers Legion traits make every individual Titan really good. Individually. They are a real solid Legion to pull a single Titan from to throw into your list. I think there are better Titan Legios out there, but on the individual level, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, the rules for a Legio Crucius Titan is pretty awesome. So basically, their rules allow them greater control over the amount of heat on their Titans and the speed with which you can drain it. 
The first one allows you to re-roll dice rolls of one on emergency repair orders for a couple of turns. The second trait allows you to remove two heat from the reactor track instead of just one, if you roll a six on a repair dice. And they have two pieces of war gear that also play around with the amount of heat you're generating. Uh, one that stops you from exploding if you generate too much. And the other means when you're firing a weapon with the draining trait, you may not generate as much heat at all. So while this running on every single Titan in a battle group is redundancy, and you may not have that many Titans that are going to generate that much heat, a single Titan that can be you can run, you can really build it to be a heat generating monster, and no, it's just not going to explode. That dual volcano cannon Reaver suddenly starts sounding pretty good. As is a Reaver with all turbo lasers for maximum shield baning. You have a lot of options, and basically it allows you to bring in a Titan that's going to act really boldly in those first few turns. You can roll that reactor dice a lot without the fear that you're just going to destroy your own Titan. Well, you may, but it's still, it'll take a lot more work. And that's, you know, kind of important. This is not something I'm going to drag on, but basically, you know, you can throw this uh, idea into any list with any Titan form. Though I think I would be drawn towards a Warbringer running the Tri-Volcano Cannon setup. Uh, it's a lot of potential heat and a lot of potential damage. Additionally, as the Warbringer doesn't exist in many mana pools, it's a really good Titan to use as a support Titan. You're going to be bringing it in as a reinforcement anyway, so you may as well bring it in with a set of pretty good rules, if you're that way inclined, that is. But the Tri-Volcano Cannon and Warbringer also fits the fluff of the uh, Warmongers pretty well. It's clearly a Titan-killing Titan, and it's something they have obviously put together to deal with this upcoming civil war. So it's there to lend support because no one else thought to arm the titans that way. Or at least be as ready to have them armed that way. In a similar note to Legio Crucius, we have the Legio Mordaxis, the Death Dealers. Now these are a really interesting titan legion, and I definitely think this group only works for the traitors. At the start of the heresy, the Wordbringers infected this titan legion with a strange virus. And from then on, they have been pretty silent restout machines with not many people seeing the crews at all. A deadly technotoxin falls out their titans with every stride, killing everything around them. They're pretty good fun, um, very much the Nurgle-aligned titans we've all been waiting for, and clearly something that's not going to work in a loyalist battle force. But in a traitor battle force, I think there's a really good spot for them. Their Legio traits and war gear make them really good at piloting warbringers. As I mentioned earlier, the Warbringer is that titan that's really good to drop in as a support titan. And the war gear items, Toxin Nodes, and their Legio trait Injured Pain, means that basically we're going to be able to build quite a successful firebase. The Legion trait means they can't be moved out of position by Quake shells or any similar equipment. And the Toxin Nodes upgrade means that all their blast, small blast templates are a lot bigger. So a Warbringer with the three volcano cannons are going to be th throwing three five-inch templates out, which is pretty cool. I mean, they do take a minus one strength uh, to get to the largest size, which has its disadvantages, but not terrible. I mean, if you didn't want to go for the three volcano cannons, you go for volcano cannon and two melter cannons, upgrading those melter cannons to five-inch blasts, which is truly scary. Uh, because of the fact that it can't be moved by Quake or Concussive, you're going to be able to line up a shot and know you're going to be able to keep it which is really kind of scary in artillery duels. And yes, the other trait makes them slow moving, but you've only got one of them on the table, so that's not the biggest problem in the world. Uh, I think the slow moving nature of the whole battle group, if you're using the same Legio rules for all Titans, 
can be a bit of a disadvantage. If you're just throwing in that single one, it's not so much of a problem. Idea I'll turn to later when I cover their actual full Legion review. And while this has been true for many of the Titan Legions, I really enjoyed their paint scheme. And I think throwing one of these into any battle group will look pretty cool. Okay, finally on this list, and you've probably noticed that the amount of time I'm talking about this is getting shorter as I try and avoid repeating myself, is the Legio Infector, the Murder Lords. Now I've done a full Titan review on these guys, and so far out of all the Titan Legions I've reviewed, these are the guys I was like, oh, support Titans. Now as I said in my review of the Legio Infector, these guys are only going to be traitors. So there's no way to squeeze one into a loyalist list. But that said, the traitor versions are fantastic. They're all crazy and they roll on a table, as I said during my review, and it allows you to do a whole pile of weird stuff. Um, all that stuff works real well when you get close to the opponent. But having a full battle group of these guys isn't really that great. It's not going to be the most exciting experience for your opponent as you're, you know, all your Titans start doing random stuff. But that said, if I was building a traitor battle group, I'd probably want to paint one of these guys up. The paint scheme is just amazing. Um, and I think you could really go to town with chains to show them, you know, strapping this uh, uh, monster of a machine up between games. A bit like the Legio Volpa, I reckon a reaver of this is just really great. You give them the um, bolt guns with the static rounds and a power fist and, I don't know, a melter cannon, and you just let it run forward into the opponent. Uh, it's going to get close and start going crazy, and they're going to have to deal with it. It's either going to strip them of their orders, start taking free shots with a melter cannon or bolt gun stripping their shields, or it's going to close in and start hitting them pretty hard with its power fist. Either way, it's going to really mess up their plans, and it's going to just be in the way and cause trouble. And when you're putting together any battle group, um, it's kind of be a fun thing to throw in. I really think, actually, um, Legio Ordax would benefit a lot from this Titan. Legio Ordax is a very weird Titan Legion to play, as I mentioned. They have a low number of activations, and all their Titans are armed pretty similarly, and generally have to play a we weird, delicate balance of hiding and moving in and opportunistic strikes. So being able to throw something down the table that is completely the opposite, it's just going to get close and cause trouble, um, will help throw your opponent off their balance. There's a unit that's not going to be being fine and delicate and positioning itself perfectly. It's going to be a unit charging in and being absolutely random and causing devastation with it. Um, yeah. Since starting this podcast, I have done pretty regular reviews of Legios. I haven't covered that many yet, but of the ones I've covered, I've only mentioned one so far in the show today. Um, that's the Legio Infector, and it's a pretty good support Titan. In fact, doing the review of that particular Legio was where the idea of, you know, the support Titan really started growing in my brain. Looking at the other Legios I covered, none of them really jump out as really exemplary for support Titans. In fact, several of them would actually make real poor support Titans. The Legio Ordax, who were my last covered, positively a terrible support Titan. They work best in packs. And by the time you've taken three Legio Ordax support Titans, you may as well put them in a Canis Maniple and get all the advantages that way. Um, yeah. The Legio Graphonicus is much the same. Although their benefits are individuals, for the individuals, they get a lot out of replacing a Titan with a Reaver and giving that Reaver upgrades. And you don't get that as a support Titan. So again, they work best in a Maniple. So that just leaves the Legio Mortis and the Legio Tempestus. And these guys are both the same. 
They both are okay as a support titan. And a strong argument could be to bring either in. Um, yeah. The Legio Mortis support titan, narratively, is a really good idea. It's a strong argument for any traitor player to have one. You know, the War Master's watching your force. And they aren't terrible. A lot of their traits do affect the single titans. But they don't really add a huge amount, as I was saying during their episode. And where they really come into their own is a combined first strike firepower. And you aren't really going to get that with just a single Mortis Titan. Similarly, the Legio Tempestus rules are kind of weak source. I sort of talked about that in the game. They definitely have some advantages. But it's all very situational. And you kind of want the rules to be on all your Titans to get any use out of them. And they aren't going to bring anything to really exemplify a style of warfare. Now, obviously, that all changes if, for some reason, Games Workshop fix combat drop. Um, if these guys are able to just airdrop in Warlord... Warhound Titans effectively and in a system that actually works. Suddenly they become a really great support Titan as you take a Tempestus Warhound and just start airdropping them in. Um, I just, yeah, it's great. But as it is at the moment, the rules don't work that way. So they're sort of shuffled off to the side and be like, yeah, I suppose you could take a Tempestus Warlord armed with a pile of turbo lasers and really annoy the opponent. And if you were running a Warhound heavy list, um, wouldn't be a bad choice. Um, quick nudge to one of my friends there who collects Legio Solaria and Legio Tempestus. They would work really well together. As I go forward with Legion reviews, I'm going to take a few moments to talk about using a support titan from now on. Uh, some legions are really good, some legions aren't. And I'll talk about that as I cover them. So, yeah. And I think that brings us pretty much to the end of the topic. I hope I've inspired everyone to think about how they could include a different Titan in their battle groups, uh, which is kind of the purpose of this show. I know for me it's got me really thinking about what additional Titans I could pick up and what colours I could paint them, which, as I sort of hinted at the start of the show, is one of the most exciting things I think about support Titans. I love the idea of going to town painting a unique and special Titan to throw in my battle group. I have 12 Legio Incarnum Titans sitting down there painted at, or in the process of being painted, and it'd be kind of nice to throw in a few other titans for different legios, just to break things up. And if I can include them in the, on the battlefield without having to paint an entire new maniple of that legio, even the better. And uh, yeah. I don't really see the two additional stratagem points as much of a cost, really. Some of the rules are pretty good, and definitely worth those two points. And it's not like I'm taking anything away from myself, I'm giving to my opponent. Which I think is a real nice balancing method. Um... This game was designed to have multiple Titan Legions fighting each other, and uh, yeah, I think we should try and encourage that sort of play. It's something I haven't really seen online a huge amount. Quite often people put together a list of only one Titan Legio, and I'd like people to think about, you know, what they could do to splash in some additional rules or additional colours. Um, yeah, I think it'd be for the benefit of the game, make our tables look more beautiful. Yeah. So, tell me what you think. Would you support Titans? Do you support Titans? Um, yeah. Um, that is probably it for the show. So until next week, if you have questions or communications you wish to be included in the next episode, please email me at god.engine.cast at gmail.com or reach out to, to me through Facebook or Twitter. Uh, next week's show is going to cover the Legio Peregrisus, the True Messengers. Um, looking forward to reading upon those guys here in the next few days. So until next time, I wish you all well and good fortune. <laughs>